I puked all the way home and had really bad heartburn. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Brothers, sisters, gender resistors, welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. And it is episode 69. Nice. Get your gags in now. Right. Now Phil's put something in the edit there. Let's get on with the podcast. And I've got three fantastic guests. Three of the roster come to chat about the week's wrestling and maybe more. First up, we have the one, the only, the most used guy on this podcast, Ross, the boss Casey. How are you, Ross? Yeah, very well. Thanks, mate. Very well. Had a great weekend. My brother did the London Marathon. Very proud of him. And in midweek, a few of us lads went to Progress Wrestling, and we'll talk about that in what knows are watching. So yeah, great week. Bristol City are playing tonight to ruin it all. Yeah, not the not the best result of the weekend. I caught a little bit of the game. Um, yeah, less said about it, the better. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, let's just move on, like uh, we did for Leicester last week, and hopefully it'll end in a four 0 win. Well, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Leicester, that's a wonderful segue because, <laughs> like last week when he was down in dumps at Leicester's form, he'll be a lot happier tonight coming off the back of Leicester's victory yesterday against their rivals Nottingham Forest. Josh, how are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. Um, I saw a madness in the world of pro wrestling on Saturday night and I saw a madness in the world of football uh, last night. So, yes, I'm a lot more positive this week. If you want to talk wrestling, great. If you want to talk football, also great. Well, I mean, I'm always happy to talk football, but I feel on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, we should probably prioritise the wrestling. You're probably Um, right, yeah. And you got to a show as well, like you say. So um, I'm sure we'll hear about that later. But overall vibe of that was great. Yeah, it was certainly a, a variety show of pro wrestling. There was um, there was something for everyone, that's for sure. Well, that's what we like to hear, as long as there's something fun. But we haven't just got two guests. We're actually going with, with four names this week. And it's a return after a couple of weeks off of our man who went out to America and saw some wrestling. And now he's back. But he's still uh, doing some fantasy trading in America, which I'm sure we'll hear about. JCH, James, how's that trading going? Well, uh, so, well, I say, well, we made a sort of agreement on Sunday at the game with my friend that we there make this trade afterwards but he had a few beers so I've sent it off we'll see what happens I've seen like Blackburn on my telly tonight as well somehow Fantastic. they're on the actual yeah. telly the full one <laughs> a proper game on the proper telly <laughs> yeah. none of that red button shit like I've got to deal with I think like, Exeter were on it like a week on Saturday they won they won 4-0 on the telly as well so maybe we'll get another 4-0 yeah well there's only one thing I know about Blackburn is you won't draw the game no don't do draws <laughs> We score first, we win. You can see first, we lose. Might as well turn off. It's a very American attitude to have that you're now refusing to draw. And how was the how was the game? You went. You said you won't go to the game at uh, the Tottenham Stadium, yeah? Uh, the NFL game, yeah, it's really good. Um, so obviously, um, big news for us. For more wrestling should be fun news. It was um, we had a Rev Pro Rob's wedding on Friday for a couple of us, friend of the group. I think he's been on a couple of the uh, quiz show events. Big Mike B, uh, Mike Beltram's over from da- from Dallas. He's done, he's done a couple of episodes, so we had a bit of a reunion. Of, uh, of that corner of the group and uh, congratulations to, to Rob and, and Monica on, their, on a great day. Yeah, many congrats from all of us, I'm sure. And I want to add my congratulations to Ryan as well because that's a great effort from him on for his marathon. Yeah, big time. Big up, Ryan. Big and up, it. everyone. Whether you're getting married or running marathons, you're doing great work out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Speaking of doing great work, Ross, have we got a call-up sheet? We do, we do. Very excited about this one. Okay, so let's kick off with fan of the group, Tony of Bingus, who you <laughs> know from the uh, Shopmaster Ryan quiz. He's unlocking those 90s memories one at a time. Also find wrestling chat and Billy Gunn love here. BLM. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Scissor me, daddy! Yeah. The great DX member. So can you, was he the lad um, who wasn't a child who came on the quiz? Uh, no, he was, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was Clint. Tony was on last year and he was in a group with Josh, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. I think I follow Tony still, actually. Yeah. And he had Mr. Ass as his uh, <laughs> <did>. subject. <laughs> I, I, did, I did really well. It's just the best one I've ever done. Better than my own. <laughs> well, I think um, I think there's room for him to be doing um, something akin to what Sami Zayn's doing with the lads over on SmackDown. He can do with Billy Gunn and those boys. He can go and try and slither up to this group if he's a big Billy Gunn stand. Let's get him in the gang. Let's, or at least let's try and get him in the gang. Absolutely. Tony, Uncle Scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Trunk Uncle Scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just while he hangs around, he's a family member, as, as likes a drink at a party, turns up after one too many. The acclaimed and Billy have to get him out of all sorts of shenanigans, which leads to their new title challenges. I think it's worked well there. Good teamwork. Absolutely. Next up, we've got Josue Senpai. Great name. Pro wrestling, wrestling, Ravens football, LA Galaxy soccer, MMA from LA. Josue Senpai. Senpai is a, I want to say it's a karate based uh, word, purely based on uh, the American office. And I think it's like the, if I'm right, it's the sort of um, assistant to the sensei. Because oh, okay. Dwight, Dwight is uh, Senpai and He's like his assistant sensei, but they call it assistant, and then he gets mocked for being assistant to the sensei. <laughs> Love it. So I'm thinking, is, 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 who's a big karate-based wrestler who he could be? Uh, um, Alex the Dragon. Whatever Dragon. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He's coming back, isn't he? There we go. He is indeed, yes. So let's get him with him. He can do some of the work. because, Well, to be fair, I bet Steamboat can still go. But or, To be fair, the, the opposing team in that Steamboat match, I think, still need like a fourth man or whatever. So maybe he could be that. Turning on this, turning on his sensei. Yes. Like it. <laughs> I also um, had the idea of pairing him with Speedball Bailey and calling him Speedball Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> Assistant to the Speedball. <laughs> I feel like Joshua is also the name Josh would use if he joined the Maximum Male Models. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a vacancy now, apparently. So... <laughs> Next up, we've got D Money, who loves wrestling, huge Mariners and Colts fan, but above all else, he's a damn good father. When he says Mariners, is he talking about Grimsby Town? Because <laughs> if he's not, he's probably an American team, isn't he? I'm assuming the Seattle Mariners of the uh, of the Major League Baseball, who will be. I'm assuming probably... that's more likely than former Ian Holloway team Grimsby Town. <laughs> well, he's getting booked in Grimsby. That's all I know. And he's going to wind them all up by saying he's a big Mariners fan to, at first to get that pop. And then he's going to bring them all back down to earth by informing them that there's actually a bigger Mariners team out there. Have I ever told you about when we met uh, Paige? And um, 
was with my friend Kirk, who's from Lincolnshire. And she's like, where are you, where are you from? He's like, Lincolnshire, it's like near Grimsby. And she went, you fishy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember you telling me that. That's great. <laughs> that can be his catchphrase against the crowd then. <laughs> we'll stick him in Grimsby and he can tell the fans that. He'll get heat. I also quite like the idea of him being from Grimsby and also trying to pretend that he's from Seattle and he's called D Money, which is like a bit of a rap name. His like theme could be like <laughs> being Seattle, but he's never been scumful. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, friend of the group through our shared love of progress wrestling, Tea and Tights podcast. Some grown men drinking tea, talking about wrestling, bringing you Brit Rest news and reviews and exclusive interviews. So they're basically us, but they drink tea, not beer. <laughs> Shut up. Listen, I, uh, I have had a terrible bloody day. And all I want to do is to sit and drink a nice cup of tea. Maybe we should take note from that. Like when we go to progress shows and just see if we can order like a cup of tea at the bar. <laughs> do you nah. think their, their reviews are the opposite? Where at the start, they, they're not quite charged up enough on the caffeine. But by the end, they're really good. Whereas we're really sharp at the start, but by the end are too drunk. Love that. I love the fact that their shot round would be like choosing the type of tea and it'd be like, oh, fuck, Matt Wong's going to be Jasmine. Tea <laughs> 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 and Tights is a very good, uh, very good name, though. I like that. Next up, we've got Forbidden Kuzo, who is Jeffro Kuzo on Twitter. And he's got a very brief Twitter bio that just says, Chiefs, man, come on. Now, again, Chiefs is probably an American sports reference, but I was thinking that he just loves the Kaiser Chiefs. So he's going to Leeds. <laughs> Love it. He's going to Leeds and he's playing all the um, Kaiser Chiefs tunes on that uh, kazoo thing that Edge and Christian used to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and constantly using Kaiser <laughs> Chiefs puns <laughs> in his promos. <laughs> in the main event this week, I predict a riot. <laughs> Etc. His valet is called Ruby. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Clint McCormick, we've spoken about him already. <laughs> He's come up again here. 30-year-old <laughs> something wrestling and football fan. That'll be 80% of what's here. From Dudley, England, big West Brom fan. Oh, bless him. And, uh... <laughs> Maybe he's like a yo-yo specialist. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> Clint Yo McCormack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got two more we've got Corey Vaughan 247 and that is all that we get that is literally it Corey Vaughan so it's a blank canvas guys Does he doesn't even say where he's from has he got a picture of him he's got a picture of him he's got a beanie hat on and a cat on his neck I'm certain well I definitely we, when me and 90s Mike went to Wrestlemania we met a Corey Vaughan who was friends with Big Clap he was like in the GCW massive but, um, oh. death match really. Big Clap was a mean that might well be him. That's Decent amazing. Class. Nice fella. So shall we call him medium clap? Yeah, not yeah. so big clap. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know how you, um, people like Ricochet do a 450 splash? Maybe he can do like a 247 splash. So it's like, it's good, but it's like not quite as good as a 450. <laughs> so he lands on, on his back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's oh. trying to do a 450, but not quite. That scientist gimmick we gave to the lab last week can work out the angle exactly for him. (laughs) (laughs) That's long-term booking. Long-term. And last but not least, we've got someone who's asked for 
a double shout out and it's someone that you know well matt it's harry whitlock he's asked for a shout out for both him and big gina john <laughs> gina john I, i'm sure he's going to have a go at me for not getting the reference now <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be john collins but i'm not sure why gina john oh he's going to hate me i'm not sure i just I don't know as like Wh- as like gina g yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Just a little bit, John Collins. Um, well, obviously, Harris Whitlock is a good ringer for Zach Gibson as well. Yes. Um, so there's that. He's got that going for him. So they could be the Gina Young veterans. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Booked. <laughs> I should have way more considering I know these people. This came out of his own mouth, and I would never call him it personally, but he did call himself, John Collins did, the fat Morgan Webster. He did. He did. <laughs> so maybe he can just have a um, have a mod gimmick because, you know, the best gimmicks are yourself turn up to 12, right? I think so. Why not? Nice. I think we're done there with the call-up sheet. A very can I make a request for call-up sheet-wise? Yeah. For ne- next, At least by the next time he's on. I don't want to put us under pressure. This is like a lasting thing. We need to get Josh and Monica. Oh, yeah. That's true. At the moment, it's just Josh. Yeah, no, I do feel the bad boss, about You've got Don Van Damme. You've got Laddie Cool. So like, just for the future, like, just, just, I, mean, I don't want to put us on the spot to definitely get it right now, but I feel like it's, it's been enough episodes to deserve one. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like getting your county cap at cricket. Yes, true. Off the top of my head, I could just think of the fox. Josh, the fox. The fox in the, the box. Fox is. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, the no, fox, I'll take. I'll take that. But that's only on hold. Come next week, we might have a better one slash one that you'll be angry at. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, that's the call-up sheet. Thanks very much for everyone sending in your requests. And we'll make sure that we're um, tweeting you next week when the episode is released. I suppose uh, if we're done with the call-up sheet, it's time for what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. And this week, we've had some people getting out and about at live shows. Josh, you went to a live show on Saturday. Was it 1PW? That's the name of the company, right? It was indeed. Um, it was actually 17 years to the day of their inaugural show in the exact same arena that I went to watch 1PW at the uh, Doncaster Dome. It's a venue I've seen uh, Ring of Honor there in the past, do some tours. They actually drew, they published on their Instagram page, they actually drew 1,533 fans apparently, which I didn't think was too bad. Yeah, really good effort. Yeah, it was certainly a, uh, a variety show, a professional wrestling, that's for sure. There was something for everyone. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a good laugh. There was some good wrestling. There was some crazy stuff. There was some big names. Uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed myself. What would you say was the uh, best thing that you saw on that card? The best thing would be like quite a broad term. I think the best match for me was the there was the Five for the Future match. So uh, it was actually won by Luke Jacobs, who wasn't actually in the original match. Um, apparently, Ricky Knight Jr. had other things on that day. He was at another little show, apparently. <laughs> um, but in this match was um, Luke Jacobs, Ace Matthews, Amir Jordan, Callum Newman, Man Like Doris, and Scotty Rourke. So it was elimination style. Ace Matthews came in and did like a, like a, is it Simon Dean? Where he was like basically bigging himself up. Was that the yeah. guy back in the day? Yeah. So he did that sort of gimmick and was eliminated like immediately. <laughs> and then after that, the other guys just wrestled each other. And it was 
really fast pace. And then um, big Luke Jacobs came in and just closed on people's heads off, which my mate who was live absolutely loved. <laughs> Luke Jacobs is, is awesome, man. I don't think you're going to find anyone arguing with that on here. Of course, there were some legends blended in with all the British talent, right? How was it seeing someone like Rob Van Dam? Um, it was interesting in 2022. What are we talking? When did he win the WWE title? What, 2006? He won the WWE title? So. So that's like, what, 16 years ago? <laughs> so yeah, he was in the main event. He faced uh, Mark Haskins. He was by far the most popular guy on the show, Rob Van Dam. He brought his lovely wife with him, Katie Forbes, who wore uh, an interesting outfit, which, as I mentioned in our Pickham's chat, caught the attention of um, one particular young lad in the crowd. So that was funny to observe. <laughs> But yeah, Rob Van Dam came out. He, he got a monster reaction. Praising boom! <clears throat> Inappropriate. I say he played the hit, but he didn't really because he didn't actually hit the frog splash because um, Mark Cassian's actually won the match. So that was interesting. But yeah, there was um, Mickey James on the card as well. She wrestled Lizzie Evo in some places, Eliza Alexander in others. Mickey James got a really good reaction. Their match was actually really good. They had a singles match on the show. Um, the crowd really reacted well to Mickey. Uh, and fair play to Lizzie, who was quite calm, despite the fact the crowd made some, uh, how can I put this delicately, some quite unkind remarks about the place that Lizzie is from. Uh, and she took it well, to be fair. I could just about spot Nick Aldis watching the match through the tunnel. But yeah, Mickey James won that. She got a big reaction. There was another legend on the show who I got to see wrestle for the first time, and that was Session Moth Martina. Yeah. Who, oh, wonderful. Um, wrestled, uh, which was an absolute delight for me, because she wrestled Jamie Hayter. Uh, who was subbed in for Ruby Soho, who, as some of you may saw, I think she's breaking nose in AW. Yeah, I saw a picture this morning. Yeah. She's only just, like, being able to breathe, like a month later. Yeah, so AW subbed Jamie Hayter in, which was pretty cool. And you think it it would be a comedy match on paper. It wasn't really. They actually properly wrestled, and Hayter was, like, the aggressor. Um, But seeing Martina fire up at the the end was really cool. And um, she eventually got the win, actually, which... I was astounded by, but yeah, good for her. She had a good time. She came out to Cascada, so that was fun. Oh yeah, session of another one that just wins crowds over with just pure energy, pure vibes. She's fantastic. A match that caught the eye, you were talking about it uh, at the start when Ross was reading through the card last week. Am I right in thinking it was Austin Ace versus Robbie X? Yeah, so that was actually um, the opener of the show. Now, I didn't know this till I was there, but Apparently, 1PW is Robbie X's like home promotion. So they played a big video package before the match, just basically talking about how much 1PW meant to him and how he was like forged in the company. So he came out for the opening match and got like a really big reaction. And then he wrestled Ace Austin, who, you know, is the big star. He's, he's with Impact. He's got the New Japan thing. He's in Bullet Club. But yeah, the crowd were really into the match. I think mainly because of Robbie X was, you know, the, the home promotion guy. And then Robbie X got the win in the end, which was, uh, yeah, really good to see. The crowd really enjoyed that. Ross, Robbie X for Bola, right? Yes, absolutely. This uh, this podcast is doing the, the petition, starting here, ending here. Robbie X, get him into Bola. Come on. More well, than Robbie. I think maybe ending in Bola. Starting here, sure. But ending <laughs> in Bola. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Josh, was there anything else that stood out from the show? Yeah, a couple of things I just want to touch on. Um, yeah. As I mentioned in the chat as well, during the uh, Alex Haverstone match, Towards the end of it, there was a bit of a schmoz finish. And then um, what I can only describe as the shock and belly laughter from me and my friend, uh, D'Lo Brown came out. Which was bizarre with the theme and with everything like that. And then in the end, eventually, 
he did his big move and everyone was really happy. So that was a, a pleasant surprise. Um, I'd love to see that. <laughs> it was amazing. That would have made it worth a trip alone for me. Even though getting to Doncaster on Saturday without the trains would have been difficult. Dino <laughs> Brown is never off this podcast, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> he always finds a way. Even when we're interviewing Damo, big 20-minute section on Dino Brown. <laughs> I think I probably said before, I saw him in Stevenage. He didn't bump, but he was really nice. <laughs> yeah, a couple of other things. I got to see uh, Cara Noir's entrance for the first time, which was... Yeah, it was amazing, really. I'm a big like guy who loves entrances and big productions and stuff. So it was genuinely an experience getting to see that live. He wrestled and beat Christopher Daniels, actually, which was really cool to see. Did Christopher Daniels have a fun Fallen Angel type entrance or was it more basic? It was pretty basic. I mean, he kind of, he played into Cara Noir's character quite well. Akara actually choked him out in the end, which was, I was quite surprised about the way they did that finish. Oh, but fair. yeah, that was good. It sounds like they're definitely pushing the, um, the like homegrown people on all these yeah, we said this. Yeah, it was only Mickey James, really, who um who got the win in her match. And then a couple of other things I could t- touch on quickly. Um, We had Team Shag, Colt Gabbana and Greg Burridge against the British Invasion, Doug Williams and Nick Aldis. Uh, Greg Burridge did a spoof of the, uh, is it Girls and Boys by Blair? Yeah, yeah. He did, he did a spoof of that on the way to the ring, um, which was hilarious. Just replacing <laughs> the words Girls and Boys with um Team Shag. So you can imagine how that song went. Song went. <laughs> I actually can't. No, I'm struggling. <laughs> it was basically the boys of... good Charlotte in my head. <laughs> it was basically lots of um, we are Team Shag, we're Team Shag, we're Team Shag, 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 basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then I've got to talk about this match before we finish. It was um, the Survival of the Sickest match, which ended up being uh, Ulf Herman, if you've heard of him before. I had him Ryan before German. the show. But yeah. he's my favourite wrestler now. I'm terrified of him. Uh, it was him. It was Tyler Devlin, Will Cruz against Iceman, Jack Harrop and uh, Clint McGuire. This was absolute carnage. We had chairs. We had blood everywhere. Ladders, trash can lids, pliers, thumbtacks. There was a fucking toaster. Um, two of the guys brawled into the crowd and one guy got through down some stairs. And there was a bump I, um, I shared with Ross earlier. It's basically your classic balcony dive dump. Dive, sorry. And basically they dived off a big balcony and just about made the table bump at the bottom. But yeah, it was it was one of those classic indie wrestling bumps where they try and do a big stunt and they just got it. But it also looked horrible. It was horrible in every single way, to be honest, to watch. But um, but no, I had great fun. It was, like I said, there was something for everyone. Um, there was a good mix of good wrestling, big names and uh, really crazy, wacky stuff. So yeah, maybe not one for all like, the family, but I enjoyed it. It definitely felt like on socials that it got equal as much traction as the New Japan show did. Which is saying something when you think about those two companies. It was... Yeah. Yeah, extraordinary, really. Yeah, fair play. It sounds like it was a, a success with the gate as well. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I've been to see Ring of Honor there in the past, and I'm sure they only did like 800 or so with the stacked roster they had two, three, four years ago. Yeah, well, there you go. Ring of Honor should have been betting on Ulf Herman, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm betting on him now. I mean, if I ever need someone to fight for me, I'm I'm calling Big Ulf up. <laughs> Love it. I think... um. That Karanawabi Chris Daniels matchup is like one of those Booker Bingo matches we could have got. Like it's just it's so random, isn't it? But it just works as well. Yeah, it worked really well. And on that point, I should say um, the show's actually going to be on Fight TV next week. I think it's debuting this week. Actually, I think it's Thursday at nine o'clock. I think I read somewhere. So yeah, if you want to yeah, see um, Karanawabi Chris Daniels, definitely check it out. Is that going to be free to air because it's not live? 
Uh, I'm not sure. They were very strict on people in the crowd taking videos um, during the show, which was interesting. Apparently because it was going to be on fight and they didn't want people spoiling it. But here I am on a podcast talking about everything that happened. So <laughs> by the time this comes out, <laughs> it'll be out. It's fine. All good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All good stuff. But Josh, you weren't the only person to go and check out live wrestling within the last week. Ross, I know you certainly went to the Progress show at the Dome. Uh, James, were you also there? I was there, yeah. Oh, so the pair of you can go ham on this then and just uh, hammer this one. Ross, we'll go with you first. What was the show like in general? Uh, it was a lot of fun. First time back in the Dome since the Atlas shows. Really enjoyed it. The boys were all there. My mate Isan came. James lost a shot round. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Shad's also lost a shot round. Shad's also lost a shot round. <laughs> James, similar positive vibes. Uh, yeah, I had a, good, I had a good, really good time. Yeah, so always, um, I said, like, I love the Dome. I think it's my favourite place to watch wrestling. As much as I love, like, York Hall, it's got a terrible barbecue. The Dome, the, yeah, the, I like, obviously, the uh, uh, electric ballroom. But the Dome, for me, it's just that, it's that lower league football, isn't it? It's that Tuesday night down St. James's Park or something. It's, uh, yeah, it's my favourite venue, I think, because it's just so perfect for what for what it, for what it is. And, and, the, and the amount of talent you get there is, is exceptional. Yeah, a lot of fun. My big takeouts were the storyline stuff with Spike Trevay and Dan Maloney was really good, James, wasn't it? The highlight being um, Spike telling Dan Maloney that people like you work for people like me. And then Dan snapping at that comment and falling to Bullet's chokeslam. That was really good um, and leads into the match that they're going to have in Manchester, I think. We had the tag team match where I think you lost the shot round with the... Lana Austin tag match, right, James? Um, no, because I, I thought Shadow lost that one. Oh, was it? Okay. Me and him had Jetta and Charlie, but I think he lost that one. That was the first time that I saw LA, LA Taylor. Taylor. LA Taylor, who's someone who's just joined the, the uh, <laughs> chat here, Brum. Brum uh, reached out to me and, and, and said basically that you'll love LA Taylor. And she didn't really do much in the ring. They protected her quite well in the tag match. Um, Sky Smithson did a lot of the heavy lifting, but when Ellie Taylor was called upon, she looked amazing. And she does just looks brilliant visually, doesn't she? She's yeah, she's six foot plus, she's strong, she's she's got the look that Vince McMahon would definitely say is money. Yeah, I, th- I think she's a legit, yeah, legit six foot, isn't she? But which is really tall. So um yeah, just absolutely looks space. And, and actually, I think going back to the the prior progress show, I think compared to the two henchman debuts i think that one landed uh, a lot lot better than sorry what did you say spikes new fellas called uh bullet bullet okay does he have a club <laughs> you better believe it <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be a weird thing what if he's just <laughs> revealed as the bullet club leader but no one mentions it he just does it he like he's like an offshore hedge fund manager of the bullet club he doesn't go and deal <laughs> with it he's just invests in it um, we also had a MPS qualifier where Ricky Knight Jr. qualified into the next round. The big takeaway from that match was that his opponent, Peter Thiani, is that how you pronounce his name? Kicked out of Kenny's move, which Don was not happy about at all. He was like, you're not supposed to kick out of that. <laughs> is it Kenny's move or is it Damo's move? That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Damo was probably more mad backstage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, speaking of that, how was that match? Demo and Shingehiro Irie. Yeah, said that wrong. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. The um, the what do you call it in the corner? 
the cannonball in that match was horrific. Oh yeah, I've seen it. He did that. Iria did it, yeah? Yeah. yeah he did that to, uh, I think it was OJMO or something at a, a progress show before. I remember being like, he's going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was exactly what he wanted. It was quite short. They kept it quite short, that match. Um, but that's kind of absolutely what Damo's great at, especially at the Dome. Um, I've seen him have a few bangers in like under 10 minutes and that fit that quota. Um, Luke Jacobs lost again. So we lost two in two in singles matches. He, he lost against Takanashi. Is that how you pronounce his yeah. name? Um, yeah. From Chris Brooks's CDK. CDK. Yeah. Um, that was uh, like underhand victory. So they covered his um, tracks a little bit there in terms of his loss. But the match was good. James, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good fun. They, uh, I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was, good, it was good fun. I and mean, yeah, he played a, played a good character and then yeah, did a little cheating heel turn type thing which and then the last some seeds for later on yes then the last two matches that, that, that we'll talk about um aussie open came back to the dome which was amazing to see them in that size venue after literally like two weeks previous headlining dynamite they were against violence is forever someone who i've never seen before but one of those wrestlers is dave Meltzer with a mullet <laughs> yeah greeny <laughs> <laughs> prove me wrong <laughs> he's the guy that's not Kevin Q, isn't he? <laughs> he is the guy that's yeah. not Kevin Q, yeah. He's yes. the guy who lost the shot round, I think. Uh, this match was absolutely blistering in terms of strikes. Violence is forever have violence in their name, but it was Aussie Open that were killing those guys with strikes. In particular, Davis. Jesus Christ, he hits hard. I'm sure that match was class, but the match that seemed to get the most traction and the most love was the main event, which I think you were going to talk about then, Ross. Um how good was Chris Brooks versus Kid Lycos? Yeah, so by this point, I was absolutely gone because I had an awful day at work that night and absolutely hammered cider to the point where I puked all the way home and had really bad heartburn. Huh? Oh, my God. He, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's coming and puke! He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! But from what I do, but like the first kind of five, ten minutes of of this match, I was just playing along, booing Lycos, not really paying attention, but just being like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I know that he's the baddie and I'm going to boo him because he knocked me out of rock, rock paper, scissors. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> then Dom was slowly like, was start, just started like booing Brooks for no apparent reason in my eyes, because I wasn't really paying attention because I was gone. There's always a reason to boo Chris Brooks. <laughs> Agreed. Um, Some of us did it earlier. <laughs> and, me, and me and James both kind of had a little go at him for not playing along but it turned out Dom was just on it and was watching the match unfold and they were telling a brilliant story and once I kind of locked in that this that this is something actually to pay attention to I kind of blocked out my drunkness for 10 minutes and just watched this incredible match where Kid Lycos was fighting from underneath he was getting kind of toyed around with by Brooks, who was getting beaten with weapons, and then he had his uh, mask ripped off to the point where you could literally see his face, and then the face was not being able to be seen again because of a crimson mask. And yeah, it was just this beautiful violence, and the crowd were fully behind Lycos by the end. Um, Brooks was swearing at the crowd. Yeah, and it got to the point where thumbtacks were introduced. I don't think Chris Brooks faced any kind of like weapon attack, did he, in this match? I think it was just all Lycos, right? I'd say I, I drank similar to you, mate. <laughs> yeah, but like it just felt as if it was like an absolute mercy killing. And then um, not only was it just Brooks, but then um, Takanashi came out 
with the tray. So he was having his own weapon used against him. There were some t- some two-on-one attacks because the referees are rubbish. And yeah, then eventually, after attack after attack after attack after attack, Kid Lycos got the roll-up win, and there was a massive pop for the victory. And I'm really intrigued to know if this because this technically wasn't a chapter, if this is canon in progress wrestling or if this was yeah. must be must be right it's like all over the it's kind of the, the pitch on their socials and stuff right yeah yeah got to be super interesting yeah because kid like us too remains still unlikable because he was just kind of gone out of the match but kid like us one definitely a face <laughs> i'm saying chris brooks has been a heel the whole time he's been in progress i've said it the whole time he's always yeah. been a heel yeah. and people finally saw him for what he was yeah. We knew all along. We knew all along. I'm going to tell that bloke who stands in front of us at the next chapter show. <laughs> will, will they? Because it's a non-chapter show. It'll still go on demand, won't it? I don't know about demand. Definitely. I don't know if it'll be network, but I'd imagine it'll be on their on demand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant, yeah. Well, because um, I wasn't there, obviously, but the I saw the reaction to it online was massive. Everyone was just going on about how brilliant it was. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for it. It managed they had a massive hard cam, like the opposite side to before. Yeah, so hopefully it will be on the network for that purpose, maybe. But yeah, honestly, uh, Brum, if you get a chance to watch it, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I, I will do that. That and um, and I'm sure if I don't know when I came in, if you talked about um, night one of Royal Quest, that's the other one that I'm hoping drops on demand on um, uh, the New Japan world soon. Yeah, sadly, no one on the pod here, even though there's five of us, went to night one, so we're not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to get uh, that review and also find out if in the main event Kid Lycos did use any weapons from Chris Brooks, <laughs> then you can always always listen to the T and Tights lads because I'm sure they were on the decaf by that point. Yeah, so I, like... I reckon that's... Well, Dom, was, Dom wasn't drinking on Tuesday, which is probably why he noticed the small nuances ahead of us. So maybe he's got a transfer to tea and tights. And told <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh. Talking of Dom drinking, actually, um, he wasn't drinking to the point where Mark Davis actually physically walked up to Dom, offered him a beer, and Dom was like, no, I'm all right, thanks. I was shocked. <laughs> Davis Dom, must Dom. have known. <laughs> Dom's changed. Dom's changed. Well... We, you probably heard, listener, during that, that we have now got a five-man booth. Classic wrestling. There's been a running, and we also now have Brum talking with us. Uh, Brum, we're doing what the nerds are watching. What have you watched that you would like to talk about? Brum's got his video on, and he just—I'd like to add—he has done the uh, Chris Jericho commentary, and he's got his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute standard. This is how I roll on a pre-bake off Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I have watched wrestling and watch i'll tell you what what i am watching um for all mankind on um apple tv what's that but it's not got any wrestling in it um wrestling um has it got, has it got mick foley in it? i thought it was something from the docuseries <laughs> i genuinely thought you were talking about a mick foley docuseries that wasn't a joke <laughs> That wasn't. I, I. I was about to ask. Oh, what, what period does it cover? Blah blah. Yeah, blah. I was like, is it just a documentary following him around? Or <laughs> well, it's, to be fair, I'm only on the first season, so he could turn up later. But it's about. Right. It's an alternative history about the space race. So he could be in it. So this is um, all the, the Cactus Jack era. He's going to go into the Mankind era next, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that wasn't helpful, was it? Um, 
Phil, <laughs> Phil can cut out that aggressive. Phil, please keep this in. Phil, not wrestling content. This in, Phil. Listen, 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 listen. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. Get out. Yeah, I watched um, AEW. Bit of a strange show at the moment, isn't it? I don't know if you guys are, yeah. are watching it. It's um, just some good stuff going on, and there's always good wrestling. Just seems to have lost a bit of its oomph. Is that fair? Bit of a lack yeah. of oomph going on. I think yeah. this oomph uh, had a massive go at everyone at a press conference and had to sod off. So. <laughs> <laughs> what did I ever do in this world to go to deserve an empty-headed? fucking dumb fuck like hangman adam page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself for what so i kind of think <laughs> these kind of laws that aw have sometimes is it's like the one negative of only having four pay-per-views a year you know because like with wwe they've always got something at the end of the month to blow off all the angles and stuff and they can kind of refresh it after that although it is good that they do longer term booking in AEW, the problem with only having four pay-per-views a year is you have to wait for ages to do your big stuff. Because the Dynamites yeah. leading up to pay-per-views are usually like really, really good. But when there's not a pay-per-view for like, I think the next one's what, start of November? So we've got a, a, a little bit of a while. They usually kind of, not lull, but like not as much stuff happens. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's interesting actually, because the, I think earlier on in the days of AEW, that, or well, not even just earlier on, but even just post-pandemic when it was firing quite a lot. I thought those quite w- worked well because what you'd have is the kind of your A players kind of having these like mini kind of self-contained few-week feuds with someone maybe a little a little bit further down the card. And I thought it worked quite well. And then that would kind of set up and there'd be some kind of bypass into a, that's the wrong word. I don't mean like a, a ring road around a part of town. But would like segue, sorry, into the kind of the more meaty feud. And they used kind of span those plates quite well. But I think you're right, Josh, in the times when they're not spinning the plates as well, it is just a bit of a lull while you wait into the next big feud to to set up. Um, yeah, and I think a couple of past recent shows. I mean, JCS, I don't know how you managed to attend a show live where there's like, what, 14, 15 matches on a pay-per-view. I struggle watching it from home. It seems he saves all these big angles, Tony Khan, for the pay-per-views now, rather than like doing them on TV. Yeah. It is a long day. Um, <laughs> but I think the way they, they did with like, I think the last one wasn't as, I don't know, as bad. Like, I mean, for me, it wasn't as bad because it wasn't starting at midnight. So it was actually like awake. The fact that like, the pre-show and they had, they sort of mix up. There's always like a hook match on the pre-show. It's sort of, I'm into. And then they did like the Christian Lucha, no, Christian Jungle Boy and Hobbs Stark was both sort of, really quick so not everything was massively long i don't know but yeah i do understand where you're coming from especially when you go to a taping and they do three hours of dark which is not needed (laughs) (laughs) well um we talked a bit last week about what soraya was going to be up to and i feel like that's still a big talking point um brom what did you think of her involvement so far oh i mean like from i think the drop (laughs) from initial pop of like oh fuck that's Paige slash Soraya to oh just fuck off was like I think record speed <laughs> for me absolute record speed I just I don't know if it shows how outrageously fickle I am as a human being but it's like oh you're actually just awful like just like adding no value and it, it and it's like and they set up it, it's interesting actually I'm sure probably people have had this take online and worded it a lot better than me after a, after a long day at work but 
the comparison to the kind of the WWE's women's revolution, or evolution, whatever they, whatever they called it, where Steph just kind of turned up and was just made all the other characters kind of lined up behind her look small and irrelevant and kind of defeated the point of what they were what they were trying to achieve. This felt very similar to that, ironically, how it was just like, oh, here's Paige, isn't she great? And all the other people around her are kind of just made small as a result of it. And when you think that now they should be really getting everything behind Tony as champ. And it's just just seemed all of it just seems such an afterthought. Also, as well, it's interesting, like out in the wild, how she is just a charisma vacuum in the nicest possible way. <laughs> Actually, I don't that like, yeah. Can there be a nice possible way to work <laughs> charisma vacuum? Um, right, Brum's told us all the negatives. Were there any positives about this, Josh James Ross? Yeah, do you see that jacket? <laughs> like... Jacket game on point. Jacket game was, I, I say, I was just like mesmerized from that. So I'd never clear really what was said. <laughs> I, could, I could sense it wasn't going particularly, didn't seem to be going particularly landing what they were going for. I'm not quite sure what they were going for. But um, yeah, jacket game was on point. Jericho versus Bandido was pretty good, though. I will oh. start, try and stick up for Dynamite a little bit. Well, let's oh, talk sorry, just I, about I that thought one we were specifically talking about the one segment. Apologies. There was other yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was I was trying to get some positive takes on the women's division because it gets battered a lot. But I don't think it's the women's fault. Obviously, it's some of the booking. But Josh, talk to us about uh, the Jericho Bandido match. Then, why was this so good? Yeah, well, the um the world's uh, greatest jacket wearer, Chris Jericho, faced former Ring of Honor champion Bandido, and it was quite the contrast of styles. But it was one of those where. Although Jericho took the win, I think, like, I, th- I feel like AEW now, I feel like at the start of AEW, it felt like everyone would have known who, like, a bandido was. But I feel like over the last few years, I feel like there's a lot of new people who have come into AEW since it started and maybe won't have as much knowledge of, like, outside of AEW in, like, other areas, like Ring of Honor in the past and Mexico and stuff like that. So from judging by online, it felt like there was a lot of people who were seeing bandido wrestle for the first time. And I thought he put in a great show, and I think he's... Is he, what, 25? I think I remember hearing. That's insane. Or what? something like that. In the nicest way possible, he's like a bit like different styles, but a bit like a Brian Cage where his moveset feels like it was created on a wrestling game. He just does insane stuff all the time. It was the... Bandido is not 25. He went to school with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Googling this. Fucking hell, yeah. 27. That is outrageous. Did he start when he was like minus eight? <laughs> he did, like, yeah. Bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, so that was, um, it was a heck of a match, really. And I think there's been a few reports that I think AEW offered him a contract, apparently, there and then. And WWE tried to get his number, something random like that, apparently. So, yeah, that was a He's good thing about Dynamite. He's though, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole, so I just, I don't I don't seem like a, just a dick and slagging things off. It's, it was just that, it's natural, isn't it? Despite this being wrestling, it should be fun. It's the negative stuff that comes to your brain sometimes. But, um... I think uh, Mox Page feels like a, an exciting feud. I think that's that's got some oomph to it. And and actually, mm-hmm. to go against w- with what I was saying before about them doing the kind of the A guy and the B guy outside of the usual cycles, they're kind of doing that at the moment with MJF and Utah. And it's not quite caught yet, but hopefully that'll go somewhere because they're two, two talented kids. Yeah, MJF's really trying to uh, stir that one up on social media as well. I've seen a lot of him talking smack from MJF about Utah. Um, I realise we've gone long on what the nerds are watching, but did anyone else want to throw anything else in? 
There's a good, uh, I thought a good Jamie Hayter Widow Nightingale match on Rampage, which I watched today. I was at the wedding on Friday. I caught up with that today. I thought that was good. Willow Nightingale's really good, actually. I really like yeah. it. Yeah, and Hay is the best wrestler they have. Female, there you go. and yeah, up there, up there. Absolutely <laughs> crazy that they put the brakes on her and Brit again, isn't it? Just seems bonkers. And I'm someone that loves longer-term storylines. Do you think it's because Brit rhymes with shit? hashtag charisma vacuum I think it is just about plausible in the way that the fallout was from a four-way match they were both in you know and she's she's sort of come in through her so you, it does it's just about plausible that they continue to like they, they'd um rejoin for a common goal against Tony Storm and the and the cronies and Soraya but yeah, so I mean, I agree with you. They probably should, they could have pulled the plug and they could have gone with it now. But if they want to hold it off till a pay per view, then keep them together for a little bit longer isn't unbelievable. If that's a fair defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's egregious or anything, but it's just more of a. I'm, I'm just really worried that they'll pull the trigger too late. Yeah, yeah. And you worry that they'll lose the magic. Yeah. The exactly. Lose the crowd a bit, but I think she she seemed to still have a massive pop when she came out on, on Rampage. Well, I'm sure they'll come to it and I'm sure it'll be amazing. And I think all the AEW fans are waiting for it. Um, if we're all done on weekly watching, I'm just going to throw one match in. I know Brum's seen it. I want the DDT Universal title match between Yuki Ueno, I'm going to say, or Ueno versus uh, our boy from the UK, Cara Noir. I thought it was excellent. <laughs> it's only about 15 minutes long. I'm not just saying it because Cara Noir is one of my favourites, but it's a brilliant match, isn't it, Brum? Yeah, absolute banger. Really, really good. So um, if you can uh, find a DDT stream somewhere, check that out. And you said the main's amazing as well, Bram, right? Yeah, well, it's it's um, uh, what's his tits? Who's the uh, the bow of of wrestling at the moment, isn't he? I know you don't pronounce it Takashita Takeshita, is it? How that you pronounce it? That's the, um, the bell yeah. that's been all over the place recently. Um, he had a a title match against Higuchi, which was yeah a, a different kind of match, but. Um, yeah, really good. And another one like actually the match before what they had in common is neither of them overstay their welcome. Both kind of sub twenty minute matches. Yeah, both entertaining. The second one had just felt a bit more <laughs> Japanese, a lot more headbutts in there. But yeah, both matches well worth watching. Right, we've gone long here. Sorry, Phil, in advance. Um, <laughs> fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! But we should get on to at least one round table. Okay, Ross, do you want to introduce this roundtable? Because you were the one who brought it up in the group chat. Yeah, certainly. So I'm not entirely sure what interview it was from, but Seth Rollins has been quoted and interviewed this week saying the quote that wins and losses in wrestling don't really matter, the story does. And obviously that's a pretty hot take. There's plenty of people that have had their say in the threads on Twitter Mm -hmm. around that quote. Um, So I just wanted to throw it out there to the wrestling should be fun, lads. Seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision. 
Who's going to go? Do <laughs> um, I, 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 I? I can take it if you want. Hey, phrasing! Because I've probably um, been here a screaming kid, so I've, I've probably only got a few minutes. But um, it is mine before I want to call the point. <laughs> um, FBI, open up! <laughs> Turn that documentary yeah. off. <laughs> I guess it depends how you want to interpret his um, his statement. Wins and losses in a microcosm, I guess, if you just look at that, uh-huh, don't mean anything. But actually, if you go all story and don't put it through the narrative of wins and losses, which is what the narrative architecture of professional wrestling for as long as that I've known it has worked, then that doesn't work either. So it doesn't have to be that, oh, like a guy, the top guys can't lose or anything like that. And But it's actually, it's adding meaning to every single result in wrestling, which I think is possible. You know, if you look at the amount of writing staff that top companies have, that they don't have that many matches. Every single wrestling result should both form part of the overarching narrative on narratives that go through the company, but should also, every single one should matter to the character arc of a wrestler. If you win or win in a certain way or everything around it, that should affect how you are developing the same way with a loss. But it's not just about the win and the loss. It's everything around it and the nature that it happened. It is not asking a lot to say that that's how everything should fit together. So my worry is, is that potentially you can interpret how Seth talks about wins and loss not matter, how it's been approached, definitely. And, I'm, and I've not watched a lot of WWE the past few years, but it always used to feel genuinely that they just didn't matter, whoever won or unless you were a particular person at the top of the car. They just, it was like they flipped a coin who won or lost, and then they did the reverse the, the week later, and it didn't fit into the overall core narrative strains or the character arcs. Yes, that, that itself is a weakness, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that wins and losses need to be treated sacrosanct and a representation of who's the most important character on the roster, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Do you prefer a ranking system in wrestling or no ranking system? I think if, as long as it's not arbitrary, I think it feels like it's sometimes in no criticism to AW. And I think probably the reason why they've hit it a lot is because it just seems to be there for the sake of it to make it look like it's more of a sports feel. And I, I like that in principle. And I like sports feel things evolve always. You used to do quite a good job of it. But I think as long as you make sure that it fits in and weaves into your narrative, I think it's a good thing. If it's just used arbitrarily, it actually ends up being a, a bit of a noose for some of your, um, uh, not noose, more of an anchor for some of your other storytelling devices. So Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the companies that implement a ranking system AEW definitely have held on to theirs way longer than others have. Like, for example, Progress did it up until about chapter 17, I think, where they would um, have the like the rankings on their like um, bottom third of the VOD and things. And then they just dropped that because they were just like, well, we've got an influx of new people now and it doesn't really make sense. AEW do it quite well, obviously, with the rehash every year. And WWE had their SmackDown top five for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a real oh, soft spot for what was TNA's. It was like the Bound for Glory series, which was like a real convoluted league table. I was all over that for a bit. <laughs> but I, when I say like Tony Khan's a big Ring of Honor fan and Ring of Honor had the ranking system for a while. Then they had a contenders ring and then they had a, something else, top five or something. And it, I, I like it. I've always thought they should just do like a massive fuck off league. 
just have a, like a like a year-long league. And if you're in a certain position in the league, you qualify for potentially getting a title shot. And if you're in the middle, you can have a title shot against whatever Pac's got, whatever it's called. Yeah, like a strung-out G1. If you finish yeah, bottom, do you get do you get relegated to Dark Elevation? Yes. <laughs> you better get yeah, to watching Dark Elevation. <laughs> I, I, I do I do like the idea that someone's gone through like a a run and then it's like oh but can they do it on like a cold Tuesday night against Wardlow? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, but imagine when it gets towards the end of the season, the amount of wrestlers on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of just to kind of bring it back. To what Ross was saying, I kind of think about because I said to Ross earlier, it wins and losses matter to me in wrestling, depending on the context and how they're presented. I know that's kind of a bit of a non-answer, but I this year was one of the first years in a long time where I've watched every tournament match of the G1, uh, and I think the G1's a great example of getting a good balance of obviously because it's a tournament yeah. in itself. So just by that, the wins and losses do matter. However, people who like lose on the show, the stories told like every I feel like every character in the G1 usually has a story. And like in the weeks and months that follow, their G1 impacts what they're going to do next. And obviously, usually the IWGP champion will lose a match and that will set up a contender. Or if someone had a you know a really bad G1, they're kind of like redemption arc for the next years, maybe. Or, or Kevin Kelly's always talking about people's records from the previous G1 and like so-and-so's done this in G1s in the past. So I feel like the G1 tournament is a, it's a good like microcosm of how to get the balance right. Because I feel like with other companies, and I'll, I'll put WWE and AEW in this, they kind of use the rankings and wins and losses to when it kinds of suits. Yeah. 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 Do you yeah think I think a that's lot spot of... on about the G1, Josh. I didn't think about that, but I think that is the, the best example. And, yeah. and other things, you know, historically, and like how all Japan ran their tag leagues and, and stuff like that in the 90s. I think, yeah, I think they're the, the Japanese do it well, don't they? Here's a question for you. Which what can you find is a, a better example of something ending? The winning streak or a losing streak? Because like for me, winning streaks are great, but then like they're gonna end and it's very rare that you get a satisfactory ending to that gimmick. Whereas a losing streak, I'm thinking specifically of the Nico Angelo in attack losing streak here, which we saw a lot of at the dome, and the great um ring announcer, Jim, I think his name was. Uh, used to fill in what had gone on at the shows we weren't at because I he was I thought it was a really he was good at that, and he sort of went you know and it came to the fact that he he pushed all these really good wrestlers close and it came to him resting the great heel Chris Brooks and it was sort of like you know if he doesn't win this one he's done he's out of the company and he pulled off the big upset I think it was Brooks on that um sorry to go on a tangent have you seen Nico Angelo's got Joe Lando in Cardiff the natural yeah. progression quarterfinal oh nice. Yeah, but I said, yeah, so but then that has a big ending, which like a satisfactory ending. Whereas you think of like when these people, like someone like Jade Cargill was on this winning streak, and they can't see any time where it's going to be like, oh, so and so beat Jade. I mean, obviously, it's meant to mean something to the person who beats them, but then I know looking back at the famous other ones, I can think of was like Asuka or just a Charlotte. Well, Ugh. You know, like Charlotte's pretty good, but like that's not really, it's not improving Charlotte, is it? Sorry, guys, I've got to go now, but I will I will leave it with, have you heard the, the rumour, JCH, that it's uh, um, Jade Cargill at the next pay-per-view is going to lose to Goldberg? Catch <laughs> <laughs> you later, lads. Have a lovely evening. I'll say, at least give her a believable challenge. Goldberg couldn't be her. <laughs> Goldberg beat The Fiend. Goldberg can beat anyone. I think, um, to take you back to what Seth's saying, 
I think it's a fight back against fan frustration, isn't it? Because he reads the same things that in our little Twitter bubbles we we read, or we're lucky enough not to read if you've managed to avoid that negativity. And fans consistently moan about results of matches. Now, whether this be the way someone's booked over a long period and they're being, inverted commas, buried, whether it's 50-50 booking, whether it's anything else, right? And Seth's probably fighting back to that. Seth's come out of two feuds that have been excellent in the last year. Well, last year and a half, let's say. The Edge feud last summer where he lost twice, out of three matches, I believe. And then the feud with Cody where he lost all three and ended up having a match of the year contender. So like I think it was brought up in our group chat earlier, Seth is considered one of the top five, if not top three guys in WWE right now. Those losses to him will not affect him. And from his point of view, I suppose he feels that the stories he's telling are stronger than whatever the result is. And people look back fondly on the feuds without remembering the results because both performers brung something to the table. So from his point of view... I can completely agree with him. And I often get annoyed at the way wrestling fans absolutely overdo how important a single win or a loss is, or even sometimes a longer run. Having said that, similar to what Brum was saying, you still have to put an emphasis on the results meaning something, whether it's a longer term story or a shorter term story. The wins and the losses do matter. I think it's just from Seth's point of view, he's probably just frustrated with the constant moaning about my favourite didn't beat X, now he's buried. Ross, I don't know what you think, because obviously since Triple H took over, I watched a lot more Raw than I did in the past. But I feel like they've got a much better balance than they used to as well on that show in terms of like matches always like have a meaning now and like the result of which will like play into the next week. Whereas before it just felt like it was X versus B or Z versus A and it was completely random just for no apparent reason every week. Yeah, Triple H is definitely on Raw in particular is taken that massive uh, roster that they've got and basically squeezed it to the point where I'm only going to use X amount of people and I'm going to make everyone feel like they matter. Whereas previously on Raw, they were having loads of matches that that went kind of five minutes and nothing really seemed to to matter. So that's something that he's definitely balanced, yeah. They still do the win one week, lose the next week? Um, They haven't deferred from that, let's say that. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I mean... To be honest, WWE gets stick for it because of the amount of content. But isn't that what most great wrestling stories are built on? Like a one and one record and then you settle it with the third? No, apparently not. It's um, it's a big winning streak and then a disappointing loss, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I guess one of the AEW criticisms are, is that stories are mainly based around titles and a lot of them. And so the, you don't get the... Uh, uh, fight once and fight again like you had like was it Juice Robinson this week if he beats Moxley he'll get a title shot yeah and then I'm pretty sure he lost I, I can't remember yeah so, he did yeah yeah so he, and he lost like whereas in WWE it's like oh he beat the champion get a non-title match he's, the, the, there was more of that sort of that was a criticism right? I said not not been watching so much three or four years but that was always a criticism like it's a non-title match they win then they lose and then I like, see you later Shall we do something fairly new for wrestling? Should be fun and try and end this with an actual score. So everyone give a yes or no. Yeah, go on. I'm going to say yes. I feel like I will give a yes, but I feel like there needs to be a percentage score attached. But generally, do wins and losses matter as a blanket statement? Yes. I feel like if it's yes or no, I'm having to say yes. But I'm a bit like you, Matt, in the sense that I think I'd be percentage and depending on the context. 3-0. JCH? Yeah, I think in more instances, not similar to, to Josh and Mary, in more instances, they right, there is some relevance to the victor. Else, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but there's also plenty of like, yeah, you know, I say as Don brought up, I thought he summed up perfectly. 
like Seth Rollins never won a match again, no one would give a shit. Like yeah. you either don't like Seth yeah. Rollins because you don't really want to watch him, or you think he's really good and you know he's elevating someone else. He's basically that a gatekeeper now. He's putting him up to the level to the Roman level. Or to lose to Roman, I guess. Yeah, so Rollins. Rollins has reached a point where he doesn't need wins or losses, right? But like his career has got him to that point through wins and losses, right? Yeah, that's why that's what I mean. So I say in, on the in the majority of in or I'd say definitely in over fifty percent case I'd go. But I think like it would mean like a big deal to say like Riddle to beat him. Yeah, like, I, I watched that Cardiff show. I think if Riddle had won, I mean, yeah, if he beats him next time, then that's sort of suggesting Riddle's getting to that level because he's, as I say, he's the gatekeeper for that level. If you don't go over Rollins, you're not going up any further. As much as he's top of the card, he's not. He's the level below. And um, whether that's on talent or not, but in the way it's seen, like you go through, you've got to go through him to get to the top level. And that's yeah. the way I see it, based on what I've seen and stuff. Every wrestler is playing their own kind of RPG game, and every opponent is their like end of level boss. And if you beat them, then you move on. And if you don't, then you play again. Yeah. <laughs> you could also split the question. Not that I want this to go on any longer because I need to go as well. But then um, you could split it into: Do wins matter? Do losses matter? Because I feel like the wins are obviously what get you there, but you can then eat the losses. So do they matter? Maybe I'm overthinking it. But well, I think, as I said, I think they can matter to build something. As yeah, something positive. yeah, that's that's kind of looping all the way back to the start of this conversation. What Brum was saying, wasn't it? That it has to fit the narrative, right? But then I think there's certain people who've lost and so many times that you just don't believe in them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Someone like I don't know. The classic is Dolph Ziggler. Like, right? like, what do you say, Dolph Ziggler? Yeah, that's the classic. That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was about to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. And it's all coming to mind from a bit, bit not too recent, but there's a sort of limit to how many times. So I guess that means they do, man, until you reach A level. Because, like, apparently Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman or Bray Wyatt could probably lose 100 times in a row and then he would still buy them as credible. Yeah. But overall, 4 0, Seth talking shit. <laughs> he knows he's never going to win again. <laughs> I've got to go, but are you guys going to hang around for a bigger bingo? So, I was going to suggest literally doing a 30 second timer for all of us on just a match. So, it's just literally two minutes. Okay, fuck it. Let's go for it then. Book a bingo! B I N G O and bingo was his name. Oh. Okay, let's spin the wheel and we'll start with Josh because he's the fox. <laughs> We're going with that then, are we? All right then. 30 seconds. <laughs> Brilliant. Paige versus Shibata. Uh, basically, Paige c- cuts the promo. It's really bad. And then um, Shibata kicks her in the corner um, and just pins her one, two, three. And Paige has to retire again and not be a manager and just go back to Norwich and just chill. And Shabata can carry him on his dojo and, yeah, we can pretend it never happened. Norwich chill on a pole match. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. JCH. So, Paige and Shabata are in the ring. He changed that to a match. Neither of them are medically cleared. So they just sort of stand there. <laughs> and then Paige says, I'm going to turn the page. And then that brings out Ethan Page and Adam Page. And they beat up Shabata. One, two, three. Page stands over him wearing a boss jacket and tells all the crowd, suck on that character vacuum, Brum. I beat your boy, Shabbat. Oh, that's hard to beat. 
I think that's the winner. That's the winner. <laughs> I was going to say, literally, James did it better than I was going to do it. But the whole non-compete was where I was going to go. Just a one-year feud online where both of them tease that the match is going to happen. And the dirt <laughs> sheets consistently ask, when is one of them going to be cleared? And I think, to make mine different, maybe in different periods, Shibata comes back and has a match, but Paige isn't cleared. And then when Paige gets cleared, Shibata can't be cleared. So it's a never-ending <laughs> feud, which goes on throughout the history of wrestling. And there are documentaries done on the greatest match that never happened, Paige Shibata. <laughs> Love it, guys. I think all three of you did amazing, but the winner has got to be JCH. And I always said wins matter. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I can't think of a better way to end the pod than that, James. Well deserved, as me and Josh, I'm sure, will agree. Ross, have we got anything to plug? No, just the socials again. WSBFUN on Twitter, Wrestling Should Be Fun on Instagram. Hit us up, let us know anything that you want to hear on the podcast. Interact with our questions on the podcast, like us, share with your friends, all that sort of stuff. There you go. Ross has done the plugging and it's time for me to say goodbye. Drink lots of water. Look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs>